All right, the first conference that I would like to speak to you about is on the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. She, she, unlike us, was born a saint. You know, they say saints aren't born, they're made. It's true, they're made. But, but not in the case of the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was conceived a saint. Her correspondence was as great as any human capable. The Blessed Virgin Mary was enriched from the very beginning of her life. And we as Roman Catholics believe life begins at conception. Okay? That's why we object to all abortions. We can never tolerate any of them. Okay, the Blessed Virgin Mary, from the moment of conception, she was a saint. She was greater than any other human capable. Men are apt to celebrate the physical birth of a child, but really, the true Catholic values the day on which the soul was born. What do I mean by born? I mean the day on which the soul was liberated from original sin. The day on which the child is baptized. We are infected with sin, and we are born enemies of God, not Our Lady. And this was due to the sin of our first parents. It's indeed proper to celebrate the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary, for she was conceived and born great in merit and great in virtue. Mary was born a saint. And this, is, this conference is trying to help you to form the idea of her greatness, of her sanctity, even in this early period of her life. The greatness of the first grace which God enriched her soul. And secondly, the greatness of her corresponding fidelity to it. <clears throat> it's amazing. I didn't fully understand it. I have it from a doctor of the church that the Blessed Virgin Mary, from the first instant of her creation, moved towards God in every one of her acts. She knew in her womb God. She knew in the womb of her mother, God. She tried to correspond even in the womb. We, we don't. Most of us reach the age of reason about seven. Some of us never have. Some of us never do. I'm joking there, of course. I'm not insulting you. Um, she did. She had the use of reason in her mother's womb. Considering the first grace which God enriched her, it is certain that Mary's soul was the most beautiful thing that God ever created after the incarnation of our Lord. This was the greatest and most worthy thing of himself that God ever did in the world was to create Mary, the mother of God. St. Peter Damien calls it a work surpassed only by God. It follows that the same divine grace did not come to Mary drop by drop as it did to you and to me. You became the saint that you are by corresponding every day to the grace God gave you and using every grace to benefit the soul. The Blessed Virgin Mary didn't gain grace drop by drop. St. Basil says that the Holy Virgin was full of grace because she was elected 
She was also pre-elected by God and the Holy Ghost, who took full possession of her. The devil never had possession of her as he did us from the moment of her conception. We read in the book of Ecclesiasticus, My abode is in the full assembly of the saints. And St. Bonaventure explains, I hold in plenitude all that other saints have held in part. He is saying that of the Blessed Virgin Mary, as if she's speaking. St. Vincent Ferris, speaking particularly of the sanctity of the Blessed Virgin before her birth, he said, The Blessed Virgin was sanctified in her mother's womb above the angels and saints. All the angels and the saints. The grace that the Blessed Virgin received exceeded not only that of each particular saint, the grace that the Blessed Virgin Mary received exceeded that of all the saints put together. Father Francis Pepe, I presume I'm pronouncing it correctly, he relates that the Divine Mother, as St. Augustine calls her, sent a priest to thank <coughs> Father Suarez for having so courageously defended this belief of the holiness of the Blessed Virgin Mary. She sent a priest, and the priest was supposed to thank him from the Mother of God. Mary received this grace, exceeding that of all men and all angels, in the first instant of her Immaculate Conception. She was chosen to be the Mother of God by God himself. And thus St. Dennis the Carthusian says that as she was chosen to an order superior to that of all other creatures, it is reasonable that from the very beginning of her life, grace of a superior order was conferred upon her. And such gifts as must have been, much have incomparably surpassed those granted to all other creatures. The saints are in concurrence of her greatness. But we perhaps should believe Jimmy Swaggart when he says she's just another Jewish girl. It cannot be doubted that the second person of the Blessed Trinity, predestined to make himself man, a mother who was also destined for him from whom he was to take his human nature. And this mother was our infant Mary. I don't know if any of you know Father Robertson. He was called the Playboy Priest. He was a priest that fell into great sin and disgraced the Holy Priesthood, and he repented. He was on, I believe it was Pat Robertson's show one day, and the one condition that he could be on that show, Protestant show was that he not speak the name of Mary. He could talk about his own grandmother. Pat Robertson later on dedicated two programs to his own mother. But he couldn't speak, the priest couldn't speak on the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. They were so afraid that this priest would try to elevate the Blessed Virgin Mary in the eyes of the people when they really, in my estimation, which is not worth much, have a disdain for her, have a disdain for her. St. Thomas teaches that God gives everyone grace proportioned to the dignity for which God destines them. God gives us grace proportioned to the duty which God wishes us to perform, the dignity which God destines us. 
St. Paul teaches us the same things when he says we are all made fit ministers of the New Testament. <clears throat> that is, the apostles received gifts from God proportioned to the greatness of the office which they were charged, with which they were charged as apostles. St. Bernardine proclaims, it's an axiom in theology that when a person is chosen by God for any state, he receives not only the dispositions necessary, but the grace to sustain. Okay, God, when he called you, many of you are fathers. When he called you to that vocation, he gave you the dis dispositions necessary to be good fathers. And he gave you the graces necessary to sustain you in that state with decorum. But as the Blessed Virgin Mary was chosen to be the mother of God, it was becoming that God should adorn her in the first moment of her existence with an immense grace of a superior order. To that of all men, no men have had the duty or the elevation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. No angel has had that dignity either since it had to correspond to the immense and most high dignity to which God had exalted the Blessed Virgin Mary, to be the mother of God. There is no mortal on earth which could have merited that privilege. Not even the Blessed Virgin Mary could have merited the privilege to be the mother of God. She was given that privilege in lieu of her holiness and that there was no other person sinless as she was from conception. All theologians come to this conclusion with St. Thomas who says, the Blessed Virgin was chosen to be the mother of God and therefore it is not to be doubted that God fitted her for it by his grace. So much so that Mary, before becoming the mother of God, was adorned with a sanctity so perfect that it rendered her fit for this great dignity as humanly possible, it can. St. Thomas said in the Blessed Virgin Mary, there was a preparatory perfection which rendered her fit to be the mother of Christ and that this perfection of sanctification, Mary was full of grace. Not because of the absolute power God could have made it greater. God could have made Mary greater. It was a grace sufficient for the end for which his humanity was ordained. He gave her all the grace that she would need to be his mother and to, be his mo to perfectly be his mother. St. <clears throat> Thomas teaches that the divine power is so great that however much it gives, it can always give more. And although the natural capacity of greatness is in itself limited as to what we can receive, the receiving, so it can be entirely filled, nevertheless the power to obey the divine will is unlimited. And God can always fill it more by increasing the capacity of receiving. That's what he did with the Blessed Virgin Mary. She always was full of grace. The cup was always full. He simply expanded the cup to receive more grace. And it was still always full because he was constantly 
pouring into her soul greater grace. As far as the natural capacity goes, it can be filled, but it cannot be filled as far as the power of obeying goes. <clears throat> because we're finite. St. Thomas says that the Blessed Virgin Mary was not filled with grace as to herself, for she had an immense grace, one which was sufficient and correspondent to her immense dignity, so much that it fitted her to be the mother of God. It is said that the measure whereby we may know the greatness of the grace communicated to Mary is her dignity as mother of God. David, King David, is often quoted. He lived about 2,000 years before Mary. <clears throat> Says that the foundations of the city of God, that is Mary, are planted above the summits of the mountains. David said it. Mary wasn't born yet. <clears throat> and the fathers attribute his prophecy to the Blessed Virgin Mary. The foundation thereof are in the holy mountains. By this we understand that Mary, from the very beginning of her life, was to be more perfect than the united perfections of the entire lives of the saints and the angels. David continues, The Lord loves the gates of Sion above all the tabernacles of Jacob. David tells us why God loves her. It was because he was to become man in her virginal womb. We read in the scriptures, a man is born in her. So it's becoming that God should give this blessed woman from the very moment of her creation a grace which corresponded to that which she would do in life, become the mother of God. <coughs> Isaiah says the same thing when he said, In a time to come, a mountain of the house of the Lord, the fathers tell us that is the Blessed Virgin Mary, was to be prepared on top of all other mountains, and that in consequence all nations would run to this mountain to receive divine mercies. And in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be prepared on the top of mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. This is Isaiah the prophet, the second chapter, the second verse. <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's that moose we had tonight. St. Gregory explained in this passage says, It is a mountain on top of mountains, for the perfection of Mary is resplendent, above all that of the saints. St. John Damascene, a doctor of the church, I believe, calls Mary a mountain in which God was well pleased to dwell. Scripture calls Mary a cypress, a cypress of Mount Zion. Scripture calls Mary a cedar, but a cedar of Lebanon. She was called an olive tree but she was called an all-fair olive tree. Beautiful, but beautiful as the sun. St. Damien says, St. Peter Damien, 
As the light of the sun so greatly surpasses that of the moon and the stars, that are that in it they are no longer visible when it's daylight, the stars disappear to us, because the sun so overwhelms the stars, she overwhelms the saints as if they were not. So does the great Virgin Mary surpass in sanctity the whole court of heaven. St. Bernard beautifully remarks that the sanctity of Mary was so sublime that no other mother than Mary became a God. When I use the word became, I have in parentheses, was fitting as much as a human could a God, befitting to God, and no other son than God became Mary. God took his flesh from her flesh. She gave her flesh. In Christ, have you ever thought, those of you who are science-minded, and I'm not, we have the chromosomes. We receive half the chromosomes from our dad, half the chromosomes from our mother. It's not the case with Christ. He, received, he wasn't a retard, as some of the liberals call the conservatives. He wasn't a retard, but yet he received his chromosomes only from Mary. And so my guess is he must have looked an awful lot like her. I mean, just as she was beautiful, he must have been most handsome. Joseph was not there to give his chromosomes. The second consideration by which it is proved that Mary was more holy in the first moment of her existence than all the saints is found in the great office of Mediatrix. Now, my computer kept telling me I was misspelling that. I was spelling it incorrectly. But this is the book that I was using to prepare this conference. Instead of the word Mediatrix, use the word Mediatrix. So you can use it whatever you wish. <clears throat> with which she was charged in the beginning and which made it necessary that she should possess a greater treasure of grace from the beginning than all other men together. If she is to mediate between God and man, and what do we mean by that? We're going to get to that later in here. But God's going to pour all the graces he merited into the hands of Mary to distribute it. You see this field over here. A machine laid down a seed for every soybean that's growing them. Perhaps millions of soybeans growing over there. Okay. God merited all the graces upon the cross, but yet he chose for Mary to plant those, so to speak. Just as the farmers used tools to plant them, they used to all be planted by hand. Every seed had to be put in the ground with a stick and then covered over with dirt. Okay. The Blessed Virgin Mary to be the treasurer of all graces, to be the mediatrix of all men, had to have all the graces from the beginning. Our Lord merited for, there's two ways to merit. We, have, we say our Lord merited condigno. We say the Blessed Virgin Mary de congruo. Okay? Our Lord merited of his own nature, the nature of God. Our Lord merited for men de condigno of himself, Mary merited by her participation and association with our Lord in his passion and suffering. Mary is the mediatrix of all graces by way of simple intercession and merit of congruity. She having offered to God her merits for the salvation of all men. 
And God, as a favor, accepted them with the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mary suffered too. She suffered when she held her baby up and Simeon took and said, A sword's going to pierce your own heart, Mary. This child is set for the fall and for the rise of many in Israel. She suffered too. She offered that up to her. From that day forward, we're going to get to that later. From that day forward, every day the Blessed Virgin Mary saw Christ. Her heart was filled with sorrow, knowing that soon he would be offered up for the redemption of mankind. She knew that he would be killed. She didn't necessarily know that it was crucifixion. But she knew when she took her child, we're going to get to that, I'm getting ahead of myself. When she took her child to the temple and offered him to the Lord, it was for real. It was for real. Someday it would happen. Many of you have taken your children to the altars after they've been baptized. You've offered them to the Blessed Virgin and you expect them right back. Mary knew that, she, that this was going to actually transpire someday. Not just an ordinary death at the end of a life, but that he would suffer for all mankind. Mary effected our salvation in common with Christ. Mary desired, she sought, and she obtained the salvation of all, all who would be saved. Even effected the salvation of all, says Richard of St. Victor. So that every good thing and every good gift in the order of grace, which each of the saints received and which you received, Mary obtained them for you. Every grace you've ever received, Mary obtained them for you from her son. Holy Mother, the Church wishes us to understand this when she honors the Divine Mother by applying the words of Ecclesiasticus to her. In me is all grace of the way and the truth. Of the way, because by Mary all graces are dispensed to wayfarers. Of the truth, because the great light of truth is imparted by her. In Mary is all hope of life and virtue. Of life, for by Mary we hope to obtain life of grace in this world and glory in the next. It's going to come through Mary. Of virtue, for though through her we acquire virtues, and especially the theological virtues, which are the principal virtues of the saints. There's not a saint in heaven that she didn't help get there. They called Sarah Palin the queen maker or the king maker because she got supposedly so many Republicans elected uh, drawing on her fame, drawing on her candidacy for vice president and things. Well, Our Lady truly, in a much more noble sense, is the queen maker, is the king maker. I am the mother of fair love, and of fear, and of knowledge, and of hope. Mary, by her intercession, obtains for her servants the graces of divine love, holy fear, heavenly light, and holy perseverance. I think you want all those virtues. Divine love, holy fear, light to know, and per perseverance. If you want them, pray to Mary, and you will get them. From which St. Bernard concludes that it is a doctrine of the church that Mary is the universal mediatrix 
our mediatress for our salvation, of our salvation. He says, magnify the finder of grace, the mediatress of salvation, the restorer of ages. He calls her the restorer of ages. What our first parents did, Adam and Eve, separated us from the love of God by their sin. Mary has been referred to as the second Eve. What at the first Eve did was to block grace, lose the inheritance of paradise. The Blessed Virgin Mary brings all the graces from our Lord, and she, with our Lord, makes paradise <clears throat> available to us. Saint Sophronius, he was a patriarch of Jerusalem. He asserts that the reason for which the archangel Gabriel called her full of grace was only was because only limited grace was given to others. She had unlimited grace. But to, to Mary was given a plentitude of grace. Grace is given to others partially, but the whole plentitude of grace was poured into the soul of Mary at the moment of her creation. St. Basil declares that she received this plentitude, that she might thus be worthy, a worthy mediatress between man and God. Had not the Blessed Virgin Mary not been full of divine grace, how could she have been the latter to heaven? If she was ever under Satan's control, how could she be the advocate of the world? and the most true mediatress between man and God. If Mary, as the already de destined mother of God, <clears throat> received from the very beginning the office of mediatress of all men, and consequently even of saints, it would also be requisite from the very beginning that she should have a grace exceeding that of all the saints for whom she was to intercede. If by means of Mary, all men render themselves dear to God, that's what we want, to be dear to God, necessarily the Blessed Virgin Mary must have been more dear to God than all men. Otherwise, how could she have interceded for others? For an intercessor to obtain a favor of a prince from all his vassals, it is absolutely necessary that he should be more dear to his prince than all other vassals. Saint Anselm concludes that the Blessed Virgin Mary deserved to be made the worthy repairer of a lost world because she was the most holy and most pure of all creatures. Blessed Virgin Mary. The pure sanctity of her merited for her that she should be made the repairer of the lost world. How is it then? Okay, let's give, you, let's give her that. How is it then that Mary can be called the mediatress of angels? Many theologians maintain that Jesus Christ merited the perseverance of the angels also. And that as Jesus was their mediator de condigno, as we said, so the Blessed Virgin Mary 
is the mediatrix of the angels, de congruo, once again, not of her own nature as Christ, but of her merits. She merited for the angels that the thrones lost by the bad, by the bad angels, the devils, should be filled. Thus, she at least merited this accidental glory for them. Just another Jewish girl. By her, every creature is repaired. By her, the ruin of the angels is remedied. By her, human nature is reconciled to God. All things are recalled. All things are reinstated in their primitive state of innocence by the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because Mary was the appointed mediatress of the world, and because she was destined to be the mother of God and the, uh, and the Redeemer, she received from the very beginning of her existence grace exceeding in, in greatness that of all the saints together. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas, and I'm going to get into that later, but I'm going to say it here now. St. Thomas Aquinas couldn't understand, couldn't figure out how to reconcile the greatness of Mary and the teaching of the church that all men are redeemed. It took an English monk, Duns Scotus, I think it was an Augustinian, I think. It took an English monk to figure it out. And this is the difference between, all, all men are redeemed. All men are redeemed, even the Blessed Virgin Mary. But with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the redemption took place before the sin touched her soul. We call that preservative redemption, whereby with you and me, we are redeemed by baptism after original sin had touched our soul. This is called liberative, freed, liberative redemption. <clears throat> St. Thomas Aquinas didn't figure that out. The Guinness Book of World Records say that he's the holiest, the most knowledgeable man in the world. The Guinness Book of World Records. And yet he could not figure that out, but Duns Scotus could. And Duns Scotus made many mistakes, philosophical mistakes in other areas. But when he was corrected, he accepted the correction. How beautiful was the soul of the Blessed Virgin Mary, even enclosed in her mother's womb. She was the most amiable creature in the eyes of God because she was already loaded with grace. She was loaded with merit. While still a little one, she was the treasure of God's heart. She was most pleasing to the Most High. Mary came into the world richer in merits and more holy than all the saints united. She was not just another Jewish girl. She merited by the free gift of God a soul and a nativity far greater than all the saints. We know how Dear the John the Baptist is to the Protestants. Blessed Virgin Mary was the one who purified him in the womb. Father La Colombière says that it is the opinion of all theologians that the Blessed Virgin Mary, when she received sanctifying grace in the womb of Saint Anne, received also perfect use of her reason. I didn't know that until I started preparing these conferences. She received perfect use of her reason, 
she was divinely enlightened in a degree corresponding to the grace which God had enriched her. We may believe from the first moment that the most beautiful soul was united to her body that she, by the light she had received from God, knew well eternal truths. The beauty of virtue, she knew that well, the beauty of virtue. And above all, the infinite goodness of God. And there's a consequence to that. That she knew these divine truths. She knew what was pleasing to God. There's a consequence to that. And how much he deserved to be loved by all. She knew that in the womb. That there was a God. She knew that he deserved to be loved. And on account of, this, of the singular gift which he had adorned her above all creatures... She preserved her free from the stain of original sin. Even in the womb, we don't know, but she did, what temptation was, what sin was, and she consciously sought to please her God every moment in her, in her mother's womb. Hence, from the first moment of Mary's existence, she deigned to please her God. In her mother's womb, she began to apply herself entirely to please the divine. And so the Blessed Virgin Mary got a head start on us. We were perhaps six, seven, eight, nine, if you're from Kentucky, ten, when we got the use of reason. She was ahead of us. And every moment of her life, she doubled grace, pleasing God. That helps to explain, for it helps us to understand how she was so holy. Mary was already, already free from original sin and thus free from the attractions to the world or to worldly affection, to every earthly distraction, from every passion of her senses, causing her every day, even in her mother's womb, to move closer to her God. You can see some sycamore trees here. As a little boy... Dad, always, Dad taught us that wherever you see a sycamore tree, there's underground water. These trees grow where there's a lot of water. They take a lot of water. A sycamore tree will consume hundreds of pounds of water a day. Okay. Mary was a tree planted by a river, river of water, continuously nourished by the life-given waters. Mary called herself the vine. What, the, what is a vine? A vine doesn't have length. You'd go buy a grape. We got some grapevines. We have some grapevines back there. You go buy a grapevine. They're not going to tell you how tall it grows, how long it grows. You buy a tree, they'll say, yeah, it'll grow 25 feet. Yes, it'll grow 50 feet. It'll grow 70 feet, depending on the types of the trees. Mary calls herself a vine because the vine can continuously grow and get bigger. It has no determined height or length as a tree. And thus did the Blessed Virgin Mary always grow in perfection. Theologians say that a soul that possesses a habit of virtue, as long as it corresponds faithfully to the actual grace which it receives from God, always produces an act equal in intensity to the habit it possesses. So much so that it acquires each time a new and double merit. 
equal to the sum of all the merits previously acquired. That's the Blessed Virgin Mary. Every day of her existence, she doubled the merit that she gained the previous day. She doubled it. She was like a good investor who every so often doubles his money well invested. Mary, Mary doubled time and time again the graces she received as her first instant of life. It's inconceivable how high she rose above man and angels alike. It's inconceivable how high she rose. So, uh, Adam and Eve, when they were created, Adam wasn't born, he was created. He had infused knowledge in, into him. He, needed, he didn't have time to grow up to become a man. He was born a man. We are not. We have times we learn from our parents. We learn from mistakes. You get some little boys chasing a skunk, they'll learn from that. Not to do so. St. Thomas remarks that the Blessed Virgin Mary was full of grace in three ways. She was filled with grace as to her soul, so that from the beginning of her beautiful soul, it belonged to God. I'll say it again. She was filled with grace as to her soul, so that from the very beginning of her life, she belonged to God. She was filled with grace as to her body, so that she merited to give birth to the eternal word with her most pure flesh. There was no other person on, the, on, on earth that was total purity as Our Lady was. She was filled with grace for the benefit of all others, of us, so that man might partake in sanctifying grace in life. She was also full of grace as to its overflowing for the benefit of mankind. That's still part of the third way. <clears throat> I'm just about done, I believe. St. Thomas says that some saints have so much grace that it not only is sufficient for themselves, but for the salvation of many, though not for all men. Only to Jesus Christ and to Mary was such grace given that was sufficient for all to be saved. St. Thomas Villanola calls her full of grace, of whose plenitude all receive. St. Anselm says that there is no one who does not partake of the grace of Mary. No one. And that's, that's my greatest, one of my greatest sorrows in life. The Protestants don't have Mary. All grace comes through her hands. They need Mary. There's no one in the world who does not receive grace from Mary. There's no one in, there is no one who does not receive mercy from the Mother of God. We receive this grace from Christ as its author. We receive this grace from Mary as the mediatress of all graces. Christ the author, Mary the mediator. From Jesus as the Savior, from Mary as the advocate, from Jesus as the source, from Mary as the channel. Mary is the full aqueduct from which all others receive grace, but she is not the fullness of grace herself, Christ is. 
God has deposited the whole treasure of his graces in Mary. So that whatever we possess of hope, of grace, of salvation, we may thank our most loving queen for all these graces come to us from the hands of Mary and her all-powerful intercession. Miserable is the soul that closes this channel of grace. Back in the medieval times and even before that, back in the early times of the Romans, when cities needed aqueducts to bring water into their cities for survival, if a general went up against a city to destroy it, the first thing he would do is cut off the aqueduct, cut off the channel of water that goes into the city. You cut off the Blessed Virgin Mary and the soul dies. Miserable is the soul that closes this channel of grace against itself. And we can do that by neglecting to pray to Mary. We have an obligation. When Holofernes, he was a king, wished to gain possession of the city of Bethulia, he took care to destroy the aqueducts. This the devil does when he wishes to become master of a soul. He causes that soul to give up devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And when once this channel is closed, it easily loses supernatural life. It easily loses the fear of God and finally enjoys eternal damnation. There were two young noblemen in Madrid of whom the one encouraged the other into leading a wicked life, committing all sorts of crimes. One of them one night in a dream saw his friend being carried away by demons into a burning ocean or a sea. They were going to take this man that had the dream. They were going to take him also. But in his dream, he had recourse to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he made a vow that he would embrace religion. Martin Luther did the same thing in a storm one day. On which he was delivered, with that promise, he was delivered from the demons. He then saw Jesus on a throne, and on that throne, Jesus was angry. He was a judge, and he was sentencing a not-so-pretty sentence. The Blessed Virgin Mary was imploring with her divine Son for mercy. After this, his friend came to him, after the dream, the next morning perhaps, his friend came to him to pay him a visit. He related what he had dreamt to his friend. His friend only laughed at him. His friend didn't believe in religion. He was at, shortly afterwards stabbed and died. And so this one man's dream came true. When the young man who had the dream saw this, his vision was verified. He went to confession he renewed his resolution to enter into a religious order. And for this purpose, he sold everything he had. 
with the intention of giving it to the poor. But instead, he fell and he spent the money on all sorts of debauchery. He then fell ill and he had another vision or dream, whatever you want to call it. He thought he saw hell open and he saw the divine judge who had already condemned him. And again, he had recourse to the Blessed Virgin Mary. She once more delivered him. He recovered his health, and he became worse than ever. He afterwards, afterwards went to Lima, Peru. I know some people from Lima, Peru. You do too. Those of you from Cincinnati, at least. There in Lima, Peru, he... Uh, relapsed into his former illness and in the hospital of that place he was once more touched by the grace of God he confessed his sins to a Jesuit father Father Francis Perlino he promised the priest that he would change his life but again he fell into his former sins at last the same priest going to another hospital in a distant place, this Father Perino, Perlino, he saw the same wretched, miserable individual. This time he was on the ground, crying in pain. Ah, abandoned wretch that I am. For my greater torment, this priest has come to witness my chastisement. From The guy is still speaking. From Lima I came hither, where my vices have brought me to this end, and now I go to hell. With these words, the man died. Without even leaving the father time to elicit contrition from him. My dear men, dear friends that you are, let us resolve to venerate the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We've often thought how dark this world would be without Christ. We see a beautiful sunset tonight. How dark the world would be without his mother as well. Let us resolve to have recourse to this divine mother, not as this guy who had recourse and just kept falling back into the same sins. Let us have a recourse to her with a resolution not to offend her or her divine son anymore. Let us resolve never to again fend her divine son.